That's talking. I assure you that was language and not complete bollocks. Hello, and welcome back to anime. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies. This is Watery Desho. I am the Subtle Doctor, and we are here. We are doing Stream of Thought, our episodic blog series on listeners, the Spring 2020 Anime Joint, written by Daisato, Produced chiefly by Mappa. Along with me, as usual, is my uh, chief compadre and the hardest working man in pod business. It is Shadan. So, Doc, did you enjoy reference to Thing in this episode? Because that's what this episode was 90% by volume. Not to its benefit, unfortunately. Mm, I... I don't know if it was, but... um. You know, we should probably save this for our kind of discussion portion of the show because I think I have something I'd like to say regarding this. I, sw- um, I swear, though, Bright, I'll, I'll, I agree with you. We will get to it eventually, but I just want to put it out there now. If this episode had gone so far as to have Nier, like playing an acoustic guitar surrounded by candles and flowers, uh, uh, particularly quoting Man Who Sold the World, I would have turned the episode off. And not look back. Oh, you wouldn't have turned it off. You'd have been like, this is the greatest thing ever. I love it now. And uh. Only on opposite day. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, I have something I kind of want to say that I feel like I will just point back to in future episodes. Cause is it fuck you, Shadon? You're wrong. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. Um, but I, I will... I feel like it will apply retroactively to the rest of the episodes we've covered and to the rest of the episodes going forward. So I want to kind of plant my flag in the ground and uh, make my make my claim um, about the references and such like later. But of course, uh, what are we talking about, Shadon? We're talking about listeners episode four. Teen Spirit. Is it called Smells Like Teen Spirit or just Teen Spirit? No, it's just Teen Spirit. Okay. So, uh, the Teen Spirit episode uh, of listeners. So, usually before we... Uh, here, Here's where the fuck you, Shadon, comes in. Yeah, I deserve uh, this. Usually... <laughs> I just... Usually before we do this, um, we have some polls to... Uh, to, to summarize, to, to check in on the results. But we don't have those this week. Why is that? Because fuck you, Shadon, that's why. <laughs> there, is, there is no good reason for it. I just got distracted <laughs> and never got around to putting them we, up. So just, We forgot. Just Let's just pretend that I put a poll up like saying, you know, does the crown stay on during sex or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. We'll just, we'll just Did pretend. you listen to MBV after you watch this episode? Mm-hmm. 
Hopefully it was 100% yes, because I sure did. Did, did. did Kevin really spend an entire four years inside a giant laundry machine? <laughs> the laundry machine. I hope, man, I won't put you on the spot. Be, but but I do No, nah, do it. Go on. Go on. Get me on the spot. I don't mind being on the spot. Hit me. Did you listen to Loveless after I talked about Loveless last week? I sure hope some people did. I did not, um, because I'm an idiot. Sad. But I will say, I'm going to get some credentials out of the way, because I've actually done more work than I would usually do. So that means I've actually done some work for once in preparation for this episode. Um, so it- You'll be doing the, the heavy lifting with the musical uh, history, right, this time? Kind of. Um so just to yeah, give, I thought so. Just to give you all an idea, like I actually mentioned um, on our last podcast, folks, that I had seen a um, a documentary on Kurt Cobain, the name of which I couldn't remember at the time. So I watched episode four of Listeners, and I had feelings towards it, uh, not the nice kind either. And I thought to myself, okay, I can't no ask this, not even half ask it, no ask it. That is. I've got to do a little bit more with this one. At least this is how I felt. So I decided to go rewatch that documentary, and it was Montage of Heck, uh, directed by Brett Morgan, released in 2015. Um, this is the one I mentioned that it featured um, mm-hmm. interviews and commentary by uh, people such as Kurt Cobain's mother, um, uh, Chris Novoselic, I think his name is. He's one of the he's like the main guitarist on uh, Nirvana. Has been there since the beginning, uh, and of course Courtney Love, who. I will be bringing you up later in this episode. Oh, boy. Sure. That's going to be fun. Um, so I thought I'd watch that just at least to try and, you know, build my knowledge back up about Nirvana because, yeah, this is the Kurt Cobain episode. Uh, there is a Kurt Cobain XB, much as there were the My Bloody Valentine XBs in the previous episode. Um, but the key difference here, and this is something we'll get into later, is that I, and again, speaking from kind of ignorance about My Bloody Valentine, like, to call Kurt Cobain a complicated man uh, would be a massive understatement. That'd be like saying yeah. that, that the you know the Dead Sea has just got a tiny little bit of salt in it. You know, you you, you can't sure. you can't undersell this enough. Like he was a complicated man who suffered from many mental health issues and physical health issues, physiological in nature, such as uh, bronchitis, stomach problems. Like that was a big part of the documentary. Made a um, heavy mention of that. Um, and of course, it sadly uh, results in him taking his own life um, when he was only one in his mid twenties, from my memory. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, whereas my bloody Valentine, from what you discussed last time, and I again speaking from my own fuzzy moffies and memory here, like I don't believe that their personal lives were anywhere near as complicated or as tortured as Kurt Cobain's was, and you'll find that you know there are a lot of artists over the years who sadly have lost their lives or who have um, suffered tremendously, not because of their creative spirits, but more as a correlation thereof. It seems like there's a non-causal um, effect of that kind of thing. Like, I mean, I can think of a few off the top of my head, like Chris Cornell uh, from Soundgarden and, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Audio Slave, uh, Chester Bennington from Linkin Park. I mean, say what you will about Linkin Park, but they were a, a creative a force um, in music around that time. Uh, basically it, uh lane lane staley from alice in chains as well i believe yeah, amy winehouse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah i don't want to like turn this into like um you know my my pain is worse than your pain in, in terms of like 
Nirvana and MBV because oh you know, no that's uh, not that's not what I'm Kev- no. yeah well Kevin Shields you know had a breakdown of sorts right, he I just see. it's he happened he he came out of the other side of it he survived and you know I mean Kurt Cobain like you said along with a litany of other like you know pained individuals uh tortured artists like like did not and famously did not i mean it's i think his suicide is the most is probably the most kind of famous incident uh of that type that has occurred in my lifetime in terms of an artist a young artist taking their taking their own life i think just more people have had more to say about this particular one yeah other ones that i can recall well you know what's crazy um as part of my research like so i watched montage of heck which i'll come back to in just a moment to address how i felt about it also some of the controversy surrounding it uh from one particular aspect um but it turns out from having read the wikipedia article on cobain uh it seems that at least once a week um the aberdeen sheriff's office or i think the illinois uh, county office wherever it is uh, they get at least one phone call asking for the case to be reopened and that's been happening consistently at least once a week ever since he died mm. which is insane mm. like and there's not of course not enti- a small amount of uh, conspiracy theory uh theorizing going on around his death uh a lot of which does involve yeah love. yeah and well, no, I'm going to get ahead of myself if I start talking about that. But anyway, okay, so sure. I watched I watched Montage of Heck. Uh, I thought it was really good. It wasn't so much about his legacy as a musician, but more as a portrait of a person. Like, it was about him as a right. human being and all that came with that. Um, there are some very good things that that documentary does, in my opinion. For a start, um, Courtney Love does not appear in the documentary until it reaches the point in the narrative of Kurt's life where she enters his life then. So we get past the point in which Nevermind is re- released and they meet for the first time in the narrative of the documentary, recounting his entire life. And that's when she appears to start doing interviews. She doesn't, for example, come in and do interviews about what he was like as a child because she obviously didn't know that to the degree that his mother did, who was in the uh, documentary from pretty much the beginning. Um, Yeah. It's been a well-rated documentary at that. It's available on uh, Amazon Prime Video, at least in the UK, if you're interested. I would recommend giving it a watch. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention, as part of, you know, one should not rely on a single source for their research, some of the caveats that come with this. Um, So the first thing is, Dave Grohl is not in the documentary at all, which to me was very odd. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, um... I mean, we all know Dave Grohl from his famous, his most famous musical uh, stint ever, uh, performing for Queens of the Stone Age. On I was gonna say being the drummer for Queen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. Oh, you beat me to it. Uh, you beat me to I, it. I, was, I was holding on to that. Um, but yeah, like Dave Grohl is not no, mentioned. Foo, Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, he's not mentioned in. Well, he's mentioned in Dark Mention Bravi. He doesn't contribute any interview material or the like. <clears throat> um. And I can find no evidence, at least on Wikipedia, as to why that is. Because, funnily enough, on Kurt Cobain's own Wikipedia entry, um, there are numerous instances of Grohl being interviewed since Kurt's death, uh, where he discusses it and, you know, yeah. shows some real, like, uh, pain, personal pain, like, and how he understood Kurt, like, was suffering. So I'm, I'm a bit surprised he didn't contribute. It could be any number of reasons. I'm not going to speculate yeah. on that. 
But that's well, an, maybe maybe he just didn't want to do another one. That I mean, could that could be the reason. Twenty fifteen um, is super recent, like, and that happened. What was that? Is that the twentieth anniversary of his passing? Uh, I don't believe so. When um, did he? When did he die? Was it? Uh, I was ninety three then. I thought it was ninety five, but it was earlier than that. It was ninety four, I think. Oh no! Okay, right, right in between the two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe he just was, you know, because he's talked about it plenty. It's not like he doesn't have a lot to say. He could have been touring potentially as well. Uh, there sure. Could be, there also, could, there yeah. could be a million and one reasons, so it's not right for me to speculate. But he was absent nonetheless from the documentary, even though, as I say, Chris Nasoviak, who was—I'm um, sure I pronounced his name wrong—who was, of course, uh, Nirvana's lead guitarist after Kurt Cobain uh, did pro- provide commentary. Oh, one small nice touch, by the way. Uh, Chris is not meant like every person gets introduced in the documentary montage of Heck. Uh, they have a title card, name, and relation. And in Chris's case, it's not uh, Chris Nasoviak. Uh, lead guitarist for Nirvana. It's Chris Kosoviak, Kurt's friend, which I oh, thought was cool. a, I thought was a really really nice small touch on the part of the filmmakers. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is all fresh document interview footage with uh, Courtney Love, uh, Kurt's mother, uh, Chris, also Kurt's father. Um, but yeah, Grohl is not in it. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that there is no unbiased documentary. Period. Like. You can't. You can't make a documentary about anything. Not even about a green gift water. Wait a minute. Wet without there being some bias. <laughs> what are you it. saying? I know, I know. It's crazy, it's crazy. What are you saying about history? History's uh, filtered, you know. There is a truth, of what? course, and there's as close to truth as we can get to it, but, I mean, you know. And I would also then need to add in as well that this project, this film, uh, was actually initiated at Courtney Love's prompting when she went to director Brett Morgan to do that so Hmm. she that you can read into that however you wish but to presume it was entirely on the initiative of someone who wasn't as close to kurt as she was controversy surrounding her and all that uh that's obviously not the case and the last and big thing i need to mention here is that on the wikipedia article for montage of heck uh there is an entry about a gentleman named buzz osborne who is apparently a very was a very close friend of cobain's and he's the lead singer of the Melvins, and he says the film is basically a load mm. of shit. Now, well, now, now, his... I like the Melvins as well. Now, <laughs> By the way, just as an off thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? If you want my perspective on it, I find it difficult to write off the testimony of three individual parties, like you know, immediate family member, uh, friend of the like, lead performer in the band, and then wife. Uh, I mean, you can read in some of you one about Courtney Love having her own agenda. I mean, there's all sorts of conspiracy about it, which we'll discuss a little bit later on. But at the same time, would be would be rude of me to write off Buzz's own perspective as well. So all I'm going to say is, like, as part of my research, I watched this documentary. I read up on the Wikipedia article about Kurt Cobain himself, where it offered even more details that weren't in the documentary proper, um, such as, if I just very quickly nip over here... Um, Kurt's first girlfriend, uh, Tracy, is interviewed as part of the documentary, uh, and then of course Courtney Love. But Kurt had another girlfriend uh, between them, uh, between uh, the time that he was dating Tracy and then when he was, of course, married to Courtney Love, um, whose name was. If I just find it here, do 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 do. Where is it? Here we are. Um, Toby Vale, um, who was a part of a band called uh, Bikini Kill, and. 
you might think to yourself, like, she surely can't have been all that important to Kurt's life if no one mentions her. Um, it was her who actually put the phrase teen spirit into his head and offered inspiration for that song to come about along with others. She was a big part of his life. Why she's not in Montage of Heck, couldn't tell you. Let me just say very quickly that Toby Vale is like a top, a top five name for... Mm cool lady musician type yeah uh and as it turns out by the way teen spirit actually was a deodorant it wasn't like something that just <laughs> yeah and she, she amazing yeah she uh apparently spray painted um oh sorry one of her one of her friends who uh was a member of her band spray painted the phrase kurt smells like teen spirit on cobain's apartment so well they, there you go like there, there's a lot of history here that the documentary does not address um what I also did was I also actually took the time while at work today to listen to both Nevermind and In Utero, but that's not even all of Nirvana's discography. That's just the two most well-known parts of it. Um, right. So I've done a little bit of work this time around to prepare for this because I felt a very strong sense of disquiet about this episode. Mm. Um, and I will get into that in rigorous detail later. Um, but I just thought I'd try and put it out there that I think your mileage is going to vary immensely depending on two things. First of which, how much you like Nirvana's music, and secondly, how much you know and care about Kurt Cobain as a person. These things, by the way, can be mutually exclusive. You can give not one iota of a shit about Nirvana's music, but still admire Kurt Cobain as a musician, or even just as a person going through like the struggle that he did. Or conversely, like my relationship with Morrissey, I can really like his music, but I think he's a complete wanker. <laughs> so, yeah. It, right. So, I mean, your mileage may vary applies to everything. It's the most, like, you know, pointless statement ever, even though I've said it before on the podcast, but it doubly <laughs> applies here. So take everything I will say from around out with the usual pinch of salt and then, like, a hefty teaspoonful or more as we go. There's going to be a lot to talk about, but I've, I've spoken long enough. Well, I think there's a third factor, but I will get to it. I'll get to it later. Not not just the, like, in, ter- in terms of um, your mileage may vary. Like, there's the Cobain, there's the Nirvana music and its personal meaning to you. And then there's a third factor, but uh, I'll save that for, I'll save that bullet for later. Um, so, uh, quick summary of episode four of listeners here. Um, we have Echo and Moo, uh, arriving at a, like, not dilapidated, not broken down, just entirely, like, sprung from a brochure high school, which, um, is weird, but I found it weird not in a bad or troubling way, like, I kind of like the surreality of it all, that within what we have seen as a, a pretty like you know fucked up uh world has been kind of deeply affected by uh whatever happened with the earless in the past you still have a very picturesque high school hmm. if i may and... if i may add two things in here by the way two small details um sure first off uh there is the wall written on the wall outside, right. which is a Pink Floyd reference. 
so you can keep that one. I mean, I joked on the previous podcast, oh, they're going to shoot a beam of light through a prism, that's going to destroy the Aeolus forever. That can actually still happen now that we've had a Pink Floyd reference made explicitly in the show itself. It's just more likely as a result. I- I'm holding out, I'm reckoning. Um, but it's going to ping off the dark side of the moon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the second thing is the music that plays over this, and this makes me want to go back and actually listen to the music in the previous episodes more closely, uh, it mm-hmm. is a it is an instrumental cover of Come As You Are. Yeah. Yeah, they have that, a couple of those that are really... I think they're good. I, I The second time I watched it, I was like, where do I recognize this from? I was, yeah. I was just there tapping my head. I was like trying to get it in, you know, get it in the right frame of mind. And then it clicks with me. I was like, oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, former professional wrestler Raven came out to an instrumental cover of Come as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, good old Raven. Uh, <laughs> um, so the school is not just any school. It's I forget the name of it, but like it is a sort of government type school where you know we know that um, Moo and Echo are aware that like all these amazing players come from this school, and it's because like it's that's what they do right they're meant to to cultivate those kind of people and and the kids you can see later on the episode uh, the kids are very aware that that's happening um and there's a lot of like interesting little subcultures that they walk walk around through the school they had the cheerleaders from these um smells like teen spirit video at one point yeah Yes, they sound very motivated. Um, the cheerleaders, <laughs> the skaters, the like, some shirtless people meditating. The gingerbread bakers. Are... Yeah, right. Um, so th- that's really fun. And so the reason that they're here, though, is they want to find out about Jimmy Stonefree because I guess did they say he came from here? I can't remember if that he's was he's not I in believe the. the, the he, he, the place has info on him that as I understand it, he might have been a former student yeah. there. But regardless, since I think he's, that's not the in the, he's not in the almanac, like that's the best lead they have on finding him. Yep, yep, and that's a being not in the almanac is is, man, they, this episode, adds some layers to that. But, um, but yeah, so this is their lead to come and ask the director of the school what information that she has on Jimmy. And of course she has some, but she will not give it to them for free. They have to help her solve this mystery. They have to help her figure out uh, where the teen spirit is coming from. The teen spirit is this purple spray can of Last seen in silver flavor in Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Indeed. Oh, what Um, a day! What a lovely day! Oh, the, yes... Um, I need to see that movie, Shadon. You've done. Oh my god! No, I haven't. <laughs> you have I've not- seen other. I've seen other Mad Maxes, but not the the Fury Road installment. I am utterly speechless. It's one of the best action movies of the last ten years. Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. I know. Carry so I've heard. On. <laughs> well, um. Gosh, where was? Oh yes, the teen spirit, the purple bottle. Um, 
It is uh it is a drug. It gets you a high. It makes you feel so it's said in the episode at various points that it helps with emotional scars. Uh it helps you feel like a god. Uh it's the kind of thing that uh rock and roll stars would probably really enjoy um sniffing or people who were in an immense amount of emotional pain. I personally um, prefer print stick myself, but no, to each their own. <laughs> so like uh to sort of provide cover uh our heroes uh ingratiate themselves into the school by posing as transfer students uh and immediately uh everyone uh is into moo uh and mostly everyone ignores echo except for uh a young lady he who he does not know as a young lady but turns out as a young lady called near who mm. um Open parentheses, automata, close parentheses. Oh, um, fuck me. I hadn't even thought of that. God uh, damn it! <laughs> I've, so got, I've got blood gushing out my nose in a second from that, just on the... Uh, uh, but yes, please, please continue before I have an aneurysm. Uh, and Nier is uh, kind of the character who is based on Kurt Cobain. Nier, of course, uh, being short for Nirvana, Kurt Cobain's band yep um near um, by the way is wearing an outfit that i am 99 certain i have seen S- kurt cobain himself wear at some point my initial thought it was it was on the yeah. video for in bloom but it's not um although both in in bloom and in uh montage of heck uh, kurt is shown to be wearing dresses on occasion um that plays actually into part into what he discussed about his own sexuality and how he believed he might even be bisexual. I mind you, mm-hmm. sexuality and gender identity are different things, so I should be conflating the two. But regardless, like the visual design of him is very much like from somewhere uh, or some point in time where Kurt literally wore those clothes, even down to the colors. Yeah, the the, yeah. Dif- the difference is basically just more in terms of well, a gender and b age. Yep, yep. Um, but they both look equally tired. Because Nier looks very tired uh, throughout the episode, mm-hmm. um, and uh, like I said, the the fellas in the class have taken a liking to Moo, and immediately someone's like, "What's your three sizes?" And uh, she does not uh, throw a magic eight ball at his head like she ought to have, but she's just like, "He meets you. It's a secret." Um, and they all kind of after class try to get her to go with them various places but uh, a young man steps in and says actually let me take over here i would like to be the one to show you around and talk to you uh my name is hole first name and ass. i am sorry first name ass right <laughs> yes exactly depending uh, on how you feel about Courtney love by the way that's not even necessarily inaccurate but anyway <laughs> Hole obviously so, being the uh, band that Courtney Love performed in. Right, right. So we have uh Cobain and Love represented by uh their band names and gender swapped. Um which is an interesting choice. And hmm. uh so Hole takes Moo aside and they talk they end up talking about the teen spirit and uh Moo is like, Hey, you gonna help me figure this shit out? Hole's like, yeah, sure. 
I'm nothing shady about me at all, but mm-hmm. I definitely will help you figure mm-hmm. this out, and or as we find out, lead you on a wild goose chase to keep you from figuring it out. Mm. Um, By the way, before we go away from the scene, I want to note two things. Uh, on the blackboard, at one point is the word celebrity, and one of Hull's most famous songs is Celebrity Skin, which I'm fairly certain is a Ooh. reference to that. Uh, also, and this is going to be something I will bring up later, um, but I want to note that it exists. Uh, there is an Oasis Definitely Maybe poster in one of these shots in the student council room as well. And I'm not talking as in, like, you know, a McDenny's, like, version of McDonald's here, like, where they change the names around. No, that is literally the band's name and also their, you know, song. I don't remember which one definitely is it. Fuck it, whatever. But, like, put a pin in that. Because that's such a small detail. But it feels to me very, like, it's very revealing. It's like, you know, pulling away the thread at something and it just completely falls apart. Yeah, I don't have nice things to say about the implications of this, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, So, let's see. Um, They are, they being Moo and Hole, um, investigating, trying to figure out the source of the teen spirit. And first they visit uh, this really strange, like, I don't know, it's almost like a sauna that she gets pulled into. We are the Mathematics Club! By <laughs> Wait, like, dudes that look like they are, like, I don't know, taking a mud bath? I are don't they... really understand, <laughs> but they're the math club. I, it just It's just hit me, and I don't know if this is even accurate or not, so I'm just going to put it out there and see if it sticks. Are these four meant to represent the red hot chili peppers? Could be. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Just, I'm just. Why spit- would you say that? I don't know. It just pops into my head completely unbidden. Okay. So I'm just going to assume it's like some sort of psychic premonition. I don't know. I are one of them. Are one of them called Fibonacci? I, I know. I know the basis is flea, but one of these folks here said he was called Fibonacci after the sequence. Yes, that's all I. I'm, I'm mean, sure. I'm but. sure that they're a reference to something. I mean, this they point, must be some this, math rock. <laughs> yeah, this episode is so caked in references. It's like you know, it's the it's the marzipan the cake, except in my opinion, there's not a huge amount of actual sponge on it. But again, I'm gonna have to restrain myself here. So, yeah, no, nothing doing there in terms of leads about the Teen Spirit. Uh, they end up going to the library. This is out of chronological order, but. Yep. Just to, to finish this off, they end up going to the library. Lithium starts playing, uh, by the way. Yep, yeah. And uh, Moo talks to the librarian, or who is this guy I have, that she's talking to? Again, ref- must be a reference, because there's like this little pink fairy flying around, and I'm like... What? <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I should have I should have looked into this, but I didn't. So, um, I, it's been a while guy... since I've... I'm sorry to disrupt that, but I have to say, it's been a while since I've encountered an episode of an anime that also technically serves as a pop quiz section. Do you recognize <laughs> all of these musical references? Right, right. Um, so, like, uh, he she gets information out of him. Um, you know, he just kind of starts talking. It's like, well, I don't know about any teen spirit being bought or sold, but you can make it, and... If there's a book about it, uh, we have it here. Let me show you. And of course, Moo then uh, starts to kind of figure out, well, it's it's being made here. And so that is a big lead in the investigation. And we see Hole in the background 
uh, get pretty um, annoyed that this guy revealed so much, which is our first hint, I think, that he's truly uh, behind this, um, which is not a really big mystery. But um, Meanwhile, uh, Echo is being followed by uh, Nier in a very funny scene where he doesn't realize that she is stalking him every time he turns around. She manages to get out of his line of sight. Uh, and he is just about to clock her when she says, no, 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 I just want to be friends. And they go up to the rooftop, her kind of secret hideaway. Um, she knows she really likes him. She wants to be friends with him. She loves players also. You know, she talks about how, like, lonely she is and pain she, she is. But then she found out about Jimmy Stonefree, and it kind of changed her life. And she's like, I, wa- I want to do this. He's so inspiring. This, of course, is like, She's speaking Echo's language, and he's, like, weeping. Just like, yes, yes, you get me. I understand you. We can do this. Like, we can be like Jimmy. Um, And they have a nice moment. Um, And, well, it turns out that after Echo, uh, you know, shows near his amp after said nice moment, uh, we get uh, a kind of twist here that I wasn't exactly expecting. Near is a player. Uh, she has a jack on the left side of her head above her temple, and she grabs Echo Zamp and plugs it in and creates uh, a sort of squid-ish robot. This was the best. Mo- this was the best moment of the episode for me, but I'll talk about it later. Okay. Causes some havoc at school, um, saying, you know, I, I thought your amp would make me feel better. It's over pretty quickly. Um, she crashes into the building, and uh, they kind of take the amp from her. For context, and, if I may just ask Vildok, like, because I've read this in, um, I actually read also read Anime News Network's review of this episode, um, mm-hmm. which I'll be referencing again later. Um, okay. But in that, in that review, uh, I can't remember the name of the review. I don't have it hand. I really should just have to. Uh, should... Nick Nick Dupree is his name. Was it Nick Dupree? I could have it was someone else. Yeah, Nicholas Dupree. Okay, uh, so Nick mentions that the reason that Nia did this was to kill herself. Interesting. I didn't. Huh. What? Because she's. What does she say? She says. Uh, something about taking the head off. Well, she tries to smash the head of the robot and because she's on the ex- outside herself into the school wall. Hmm. Okay. So that wasn't immediately clear to me on first watch, but like, I'm not saying that that's incorrect at all. Um, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say yes with an asterisk. Okay. And I'm going to say that the asterisk uh, is something I'll have to talk about later. I'm, I'm being very coy uh, because I do have very, very strong opinions on this whole portrayal of, you know, not Kurt Cobain. But coy isn't the word I would use. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're snorting like a bull waiting to be let out of the pen. <laughs> all right. I was trying to give yourself a little more credit than I actually deserve. Um, so I'll, I will simply say yes. Uh, but with terms and conditions applied, please see the uh, small print for details. Okay. I mean, I, g- given who we're talking about, you know, and, and 
who this character is based on, I I wouldn't. I'm not gonna like dig my heels and be like, no way. And again, I just didn't. It, it was not immediately apparent to me when I when I watched it. But um, goodness. So after this, um, I can't remember if anything else happens before they kind of cut to near at the pool. Um, but me, basically, me the, finds, the main um, em- me finds an empty can of teen spirit. And that's what caused it to click its place for it. Aha, aha, okay. Very good. Um, so, near we, we cut to her sitting on the diving board of the pool. A purple radiating pool, because... I am stunned all... there was no baby float swimming in that. I am stunned. <laughs> there was no what? No baby swimming in it. Oh, because of the... <laughs> That would have been a lot. Yeah, it already oh. is quite a lot in various respects in this episode. But yeah, I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh no, no, don't do it. And they didn't. So that's nice. <laughs> well, so it turns out Nier is the one who's making the teen spirit. And she is cooling off the super hot batch of it in the pool. And no one will bother her because uh, there's, you know, we've already seen keep out uh spray painted and on the oh, fence uh, of the pool and some caution tape and we we saw it earlier and uh oh, this smashing, is what move smashing has pumpkins deduced. by the way that's right the pumpkins were being smashed outside of the key yeah. that's good i enjoyed that <laughs> um that's a fun one um so new at moo rather and echo show up and you know say like we we've discovered you're doing this and then Hole appears like, well, guess what? Now you have to die <laughs> because uh, we can't have you knowing our secret. And they, uh, the so I forgot to mention earlier that um, uh, did did Moo fight Hole with? I'm sorry, did Moo fight Near with Hole's amp? No, when Near was using. Nope. echoes okay he offered it to her but that didn't end up happening so this time uh they do fight um they there is a robot fight uh echo is very reticent to allow his amp to be used against his friend near but um moo very sensibly is like look she's coming after us we have to defend ourselves takes the amp gets to fighting she literally um, asked they are she literally asked us to entertain her you know I know. Flash yes. out quoting the lyrics. I know, singing the song. Um which they have all done, uh, so far. Um well the Valentine's did. I don't know the new Balton lyrics, if there are lyrics. We'll go with yes the songs. On but um but the the MBV song titles and lyrics definitely got quoted last episode, and they do it again here. Um, which is fun. And like so so while the, and, and I thought it was a cool touch that the robot that was spawned from the uh, combination of um, Hole's amp and Nier's Jack uh, was different. Yes, while being yes. while being uh, squid like, uh, still different than the bot spawned from Echo's amp and Nier's Jack, which makes me wonder about different combinations uh, and how that will play out. But yeah. I really like that. 
yeah that was cool so um the the main thing that the show focuses on here though is the talk between echo and hull um echo is held at knife point by hull um and was this some sort of reference was there like a famous incident where courtney love pulled the knife on kurt cobain nope at least did not, you say yep or no? No, that okay. was a that was a no. Uh, according to okay, the doc- okay, okay. like nothing of that sort in the documentary. But again, that documentary is clearly not a complete account of everything, so I'm yeah. not going to assume that it's impossible. But that being said, it also wasn't mentioned on the Wikipedia article. Uh, however, there is something gotcha. about the Courtney Love Kurt Cobain relationship that is in the Wikipedia article and also in Montage of Heck that is accurate in this episode, uh, which I will mention now. Uh, it's the point in which uh, Hole gives Teed Spirit the drug, right, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to near. Now, keep that in the back of your mind. For sure. I mean, that's a big part of this episode. Um, Hole is clearly uh... well. We think initially Hole is controlling near, and we think that's the only kind of side to it. Um, you know, Hole gives her the drug. And she's able to pilot the cool robot. Um, and Hull tells Echo, look, um, you know, she's not my friend. Fuck you. She's my ticket out of here. Uh, I'm going to... She, she's so awesome, I'm going to sell her off and not have to join the army because, you know, since I am, like, an amp maker... Uh, I am going to have to be, like, conscripted after school is over. That's the fate of of all of us here, and we're just going to, like, get hurt and die. And I don't want to do that. I like to live a better life, so I'm going to sell out this person here. Um, so screw you for getting in my way. And Echo uh, starts to fall, but grabs hold of Hull's pants and pulls them down, which is uh, causes him to drop the knife. Um, and, uh, Echo's like, you can't do that near as my friend. And this sort of snaps near out of the, uh, sort of aggressive trance that, that she's in fighting Moo. And she catches Echo as he's falling, lets Hole fall. Um, Hole, of course, uh, is arrested is not the right word, but, but he's taken in. He's he's brought to brought to justice. Also, who the who the hell knows? Because we don't really see. But he's played, apprehended. He's played he's played timeout. He's apprehended, taken away uh, for his crimes. Um, Near though tells them, just like look, um, Hull and I were both using each other, and you know because we were both using each other. We both thought there was a connection there, uh, but there really wasn't. And among other things that I'm sure we'll talk about, she she tells them, like, what are you to each other? Um, maybe figure that out. And remember, not to... Uh, it's, it's easy for those who wield power to kind of get lost in it. And remember that every player loses their mind. Which is, I would argue, I just want to get this out here now. Um, this line really pissed me off because even beyond something that I will discuss in a bit with regards to the baggage that comes with basically 
having this XP of a famous musician in here. Um, it is factually untrue in the actual show itself because we've already seen the Valentines. And apart from, you know, their interpersonal issues, they're fine. Well, of course. I mean, she's not God. <laughs> she's just saying her point of view that it will happen to everyone eventually, she believes. We'll um, we'll discuss that later, but I feel this line is banking on something that is not earned in the show proper. Uh, I mean, it's where the show's law and its, and its importation of actual real-world knowledge and history collide pretty hard with each other and the show loses overall, but we'll get to that. Uh, I mean, we can get to it now because that's, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? I mean, well, we have patron they, questions. Oh, yes. yeah, that's they. Um, well, no, 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 you're right. But I get up for the summary. But uh, it turns out actually, there's a little bit more because uh, since they solved the mystery, uh, they're given the file by uh, the school admin, which is just a single page of basically entirely redacted text, um, which is totally useless except for an accompanying photo of Jimmy with um, Denka, who is clearly uh prince yeah and uh basically she could have told them this from the beginning but um you know just like look just find this guy this person rather not sure if i don't want to misgender dinka uh find this person and uh then you know maybe you can uh locate jimmy so they're off to find anime prince and uh that's the uh that's the episode Hope they brought an umbrella in case it starts to purple rain. Yes, indeed. Uh, yes, indeed. To just take a flying leap into the waters of Lake Minnetonka, etc. Etc. It's a reference. <laughs> I mean, we'd only be doing what the show's doing, to be honest, by making these jokes. So to heck with it. Who cares? All right. So we do have patron questions, firstly, which we'll get to. Um, okay. Although I have a feeling that these are not going to be easy to answer because they all kind of in my opinion goes towards the same core problem i have for this episode but nonetheless i will read them all out now and then we'll go from there uh so we have two from kate rose and we have one from gogo atomic robot um i will read them in order as they came in uh the first of which comes from kate and says what did you think of the betrayal of sorry of the portrayal not betrayal different thing uh of (laughs) drugs and psychosis in this episode uh, what was the point of the episode, in your opinion? And what do you, as in, what do you think the creators were trying to say or show? Uh, I'm going to get the next question in from Gogo Site Roman and then Kate's as well, because I feel like these all, again, kind of have a similar theme sim. And we're going to have a lot to talk about, so we may as well get them in now so that way we can get them all covered. Uh, Gogo Site Roman asks, Is there a tasteful way to reference a troubled musician, or is it better to avoid the subjects altogether? And finally, um... In Kate Rose says, is it a cop-out to use so many famous troubled musicians and famed songs, or do you think there is an underlying reason slash thought process? Right. Okay, here we go. Here we here we fucking go. Well, there's one... Wasn't there a question, the very first question you read? About the portrayal that, of drugs and psychosis? Yeah, that seems like a distinct one. And also, what's the point no. of the episode? And I'll tell you why. Like I'll tell you why okay. I'll tell you why, because it's so inextricably tied to what happened to Kurt Cobain. I don't think you can talk about it without discussing him, which ties into the rest of the questions. All right, go for it then. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have a very quick drink. 
before I do this, because there's going to be a lot to talk about. Deep breath. All right, so I want to get one thing off my chest right here, right now. Uh, I want to put all my cards on the table, because to me, this topic of portraying Kurt Cobain in this XP kind of way, it could in theory be prime material for a clickbait rancy video that you find on YouTube. I can see some prick like the Quarrying doing some shit about this. Uh, you know, screaming that they changed Kurt's gender or something like that. Blah, 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 blah. And that's not what I'm going to do for a variety of reasons. One of which is I don't want to be anywhere on the level of that complete waste of oxygen. But also because um, I think that there's a more fundamental issue I have with this portrayal here. So, um, to get my cars on the table, I like Nirvana. They were probably one of the first bands that I started listening to around my teenage years. This was after Kurt's death, of course. To the point where I started defining my own musical taste, like where I had an idea of what kind of music I wanted to listen to. Now that has kind of changed and broadened over time. Um, if, for example, if you asked, say, sixteen-year-old me if I would listen ever listen to like any sort of like Wild Curie, for example, I'd be like, <laughs> no, that ain't ever fucking happening. Not while I have a hole in my can ass. I, can Sorry, I ask you a question? Um, that I feel like we, I should have either asked you to do this or done this myself at the top of the show but like it just occurred to me like you said last episode we're really fucking old and you know you started listening to this as a teenager and the band has not been a going concern for over 20 years so like there could well be plenty of people that just have no idea who nirvana is what kind of music they played and what their significance was to Hmm. um rock music and american culture do you want to take a take a swing at that i'll give it a go so, basically, Kurt Cobain was described on uh, multiple occasions as the mouthpiece of a generation, uh, and Nirvana were credited either in part or in whole with the creation of the grunge uh, subgenre of music. Um, Nevermind was one of the like most successful albums of the decade by a country mile. Um, Smells Like Teen Spirit is arguably seen as a song that represents that particular generation, Generation X. Or one of them, anyway. Um, numerous musicians have expressed their fondness for like the for what Kirk Bain did, including Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins, who was noticed in the Wikipedia article I read. Um, I have to stress that again that montage of heck the the documentary it's not about the musical legacy. There's certainly mention of it. Don't get me wrong but it was more uh, a look at Kirk Bain as a person. So I'm not as well equipped to talk about it from that perspective, but. Well, I'll just say then really quickly that like grunge was such a big deal with 90s youth because it was reacting to like a lot of like glam rock and hair metal that had come before mm-hmm. um, that is just so stylist. <clears throat> excuse me. Whoa. Don't know what happened there. Stylistically different um, musically, but then also lyrically it was... Um, I don't know, just uh, a lot more like earthy and grounded and sort of uh, mirroring the musical style and the the fashion sense, too. I mean, you know, you went from like the big, bigger hair and like the tighter clothes and very like more glamorous looks to like big oversized clothes, like big flannel shirts and jeans with like ripped holes with the knees. Very like quintessential 90s. 
I mean, part of the reason it's called looks grunge, like this kind of yeah. came from the grunge scene. Yeah, part of the reason it's called grunge because everything looks so dirty. Uh, I mean, yeah. the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, apart from pioneering the bouncy dog yellow piss filter technology, yes, there's a oh reference for it. You know I'm right <laughs> as well. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that is a dirty looking video, and that and that also feels true of the other ones as well. Um, in fact, In Bloom made explicit reference to this by juxtaposing like nice, clean cut Kurt Cobain dressed like the monkeys versus Kurt Cobain's gonna trash this set while wearing a dress because fuck you. Um, so, yeah, like it it, it, it passed, passed me by anyway. Like by the time I was old enough to actually start appreciating Nirvana, like by that point, Cobain was sadly dead. Um, so and I they can't... were so big because. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut. I just want to just really quickly. We'll just say like part of the reason Nirvana in particular were so big um, among like the grunge sort of scene, which included groups like the Pumpkins you mentioned and like uh, Alice in Chains and um, Pearl Jam was because Nirvana got a lot of play on MTV. Oh, yes. And that's like a huge reason that they were so beloved, I think is because of sort of the cultural prominence, I mean, of television in particular, but MTV, like music videos uh, and like shows talking about musicians and stuff like that was a big, big freaking deal to 90s kids. Like people just sat down and watched music video. I mean, there wasn't internet, you know, things weren't on demand. Uh, MTV had music on it. Yeah, it was an alien time, wasn't it? When MTV played music strange as that is but if i may just actually interject and put something out there that is going to be sure, relevant sure, sure. to answering a question later um you are entirely correct about the massive media attention around nirvana kurt cobain fucking hated it he hasted he with a fiery passion he wanted nothing to do with doing interviews or even really getting close and in- interacting with fans like i think if you had told him what for example we now know as a parasocial relationship is he'd probably be revolted by it um and that was i clear- have Sorry, God. Can I ask you a question about the documentary? Yes. Um, because I haven't actually delved into uh, a Nirvana doc before, but I've wondered for a long time if, like, like the tension in his life between reviling fame and yet continuing to pursue being an artist when he was a very famous one. Like, like why did he not just quit and? go into hiding or like why did he continue making music if it would seemingly only bring him more into contact with the thing he hated so much i can only speculate on that but i can offer two thoughts on it immediately Uh, the first of which is according to the documentary he actually did go into hiding like he took six months off uh, after nevermind um went out came out and became such a huge hit um and I think that was also the time in which he met Courtney Love as well. Now, could be wrong on that, but I do that the, the six month period was definitely a thing. And something that was noted in the documentary, particularly by uh Nasiviak, was um Kurt did not have like a lot of resilience to criticism, but he was also a perfectionist. And you know what? I think it's not unreasonable to see that there would be people who have that inner contradiction of being very, you know, yeah, having a paper-thin mental defense uh, or even emotional defense to criticism, but at the same time wanting to be do really good work. And make no mistake, he did, in my opinion. Um, but it's clear that he suffered from that. Um, 
his journals in particular were all about like you know that and i think he even actually phoned uh one journalist to complain about him and um honestly watch the documentary like but reserve your own opinion as i say it's very well put together um and rather than me trying to retell details from it inaccurately as i am one to do you'd be better looking at that but I want to make special note of that hatred of media attention because that will become important later for what will arguably be one of my biggest criticisms of this episode and I think listeners approach in general to bringing real world musicians in even if they are allegorical or just you know like twice or thrice removed but back to my original uh, point I wanted to make just to get my credentials out there I like Nirvana I don't frequently listen to them Today was the first time I listened to Nevermind and In Utero in full in a very long time. And I didn't even listen to their full discography, uh, in odds case. Nor have I even like, listened to, say, their time when they were known as Fecal Matter. Um, <clears throat> so, there's that. Um, as far as my opinion of Kurt Cobain as a person, like I have a great deal of empathy for him for all the mental trouble that he was going through, all the personal anguish. Um I think it's a shame that regardless of what I ultimately think of his musical talent or anyone else thinks that he died that early. That to me is a tragedy, whatever you may think of his music. But I still think that because I did go into like forming my musical taste at that age, uh, when I was 16, 17, partly through Nirvana along with some other things that were playing on MTV much in the same way as you said, like they were still repeating like, you know, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are. Uh, and the rare occasion I got to see the Heart Shaped Box video, which, if you didn't know, is incredibly explicit in a... Not in a profane way, but in a very... God, I, can't, I, can't even, I don't really want to describe it, like, talking about it. But anyway, point being, I'm putting that out there so you understand that I will be coming at this with a little bit of a bias. As much as I want to say that I don't want to be one of those reactionaries who's like, well, he turned into a girl that made him a kid. Like, I think that there are certain ways in which listeners like has taken Kurt Cobain as we know him and brought him into this show that I actually think are in very poor taste. But there's a much also more fundamental issue I have with the way listeners is handling this. Um that I think speaks volumes to the fact that, for one, I actually think this show needed to have a doubly long runtime. I know that sounds like a crazy explanation, but I think that, uh, for reasons I'll explain in a little while, if we are to have these bands being brought in wholesale, they need to have more time devoted to the individual characters. Uh, Because to echo what was said on that Anime News Network review, part of which I disagreed with for the fundamental reason I'll get to later, but one of which I definitely cannot disagree with, this is truncated. Nears, like revealed to us and like the time we spend with them is so thin it's paper thin as presented um in this in the episode and i think that a second episode to help flesh that out would have helped immensely but they also need to do some other things different in order to fix that right so i've got that preamble out of the way i'm going to get firstly to talking about the more fundamental issue before i get into the uh the questions of taste um And I'm going to just come out and say it. I think that listeners is kind of cheating on getting the importance and the emotional connection of the characters across by substituting in its own uh, relationships for those of what we know of the actual bands. Like, Kurt, for example... Sorry, not Kurt. Nair saying, for example, you know, like, all players, like, you know, lose their minds in the end. If you know nothing about Nirvana, all you know 
from in the show proper is that that is factually untrue because of what we've seen with the villains. Sorry, with the Valentines, I mean to say. But if you know about Nirvana, I'm willing to wager, even if you know a little bit about what happened with Kurt Cobain, even just the fact that he killed himself, I'm willing to wager that you probably unconsciously substituted your knowledge of that into the show proper as meaning. Now, is that entirely unfair and not allowed ever? Like, you should never make these references? No. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But Nir exists in this weird kind of uncanny valley where there is nowhere near enough of what's unique and new to listeners as far as she is presented. But there's so much obvious Kurt Cobain like in there, such as the way that she dresses, uh, the outright quotation of lyrics, the relationship with Courtney Hall Love, that it means that this show kind of exists in this weird schism place where it just drives me mad thinking about it, that it's not its own thing, but it doesn't do anywhere near enough justice to Kurt Cobain as a person to actually make me like it. I don't know if you're following me here, Doc. I mean, this, this is going to be tr- tr- tricky to explain. But this is also why I found, in hindsight, I had a problem with the Valentines. Because we know My Bloody Valentine is a famous band. But what did they actually do in the show proper? They're famous players because they're in a book? We didn't even see them fight the Aeolus at any point. Apart from, uh, obviously, when they meet the New Bowton sisters. But I'm talking historically. The show, to me, feels like it's substituting... Actually do we need do... to know that? I, yes, I'd say so, because I think the show is substituting, take, taking its own time and building up its character's own import inside its own diegetic world and just cheating by importing like what we know of the bands proper from the real world as a source of import, as a source of, like, you know, weight. I mean, it's just like world building and character building with any story i mean all you sort of need to know really truly is like um you you don't have to know about all that other stuff it it enhances it but like what is their relationship to the main characters like what have they been like on screen what traits have they shown um have they what have they done what are they like um we don't really have to know like what they've done in history. I think that there in the book is important. And I think the the fact that there was another player near um, who is not in the book um, is again, a piece of evidence to like towards what we were saying last time that like the show may be kind of making a commentary about engagement with art and artists based on materials like that. Um, but no, I don't think it's a, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the criticism. I mean, there's a, there's a 20 minute uh, or 22 minute sort of format. And that's why we, I say need a second episode. Well, I mean, I guess um, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, I, I don't, understand what's lacking i guess is what what i I get from from near's point of view i am hopeful that near will come back i think they'll all i think all the characters we meet will will. will return 
Uh, yeah, they if, are if for no other reason than to be in the final battle. At the oh, end. of course. That, that's going to happen. They're going to have a fest at the end. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. That's going to yeah, be it. But I well, mean... Well, let me clarify uh, by pointing to something in the episode proper. So Nair mentions that her parents are dead. But we don't even know what they look like. It's just mentioned and that's it. And it all feels very told rather than shown here, you know. And the thing is, I again... I watched Montage of Heck. Both of Cobain's parents are still alive. So I was thinking to myself as I read that line, is that a dead to me line? Is it is like, I'm conflating the actual real person here with the fictional character that is based on them because that's kind of unavoidable when you make it this explicit. But because of that, it feels to me like the show was just taking shortcuts and not actually doing adequate character work in its own right of its own kind, and instead relying on you knowing about the person in question and what happens to them, even though it is different enough that it doesn't gel. But this, if it's different enough, then there's not enough meat on the bone for me to care. Like, my parents said, I okay, think... fair, fair enough, but I need more than that. Else I'm importing Kurt Cobain's life in, and he actually had a much more complicated relationship with his parents, like, including the fact that he was actually, his mother was interviewed as part of Montage of Heck. And she she and him were still relatively close even later in life to the point where when he got the master of the nevermind she was one of the first people who listened to it she actually listened to it and offered him the warning that he was not ready for the fame that was to follow she recognized what a hit he had in his hands so it doesn't match up with what's in the show with Nair's parents but all we get in that sure. case is an offhand line i'm like what am i meant to take from this like it's not kirk cobain but then what is it? Because it's just nowhere near enough. I can't separate it's near. in my head. Well, yeah, well, I think you might be too close to the sun on that. Like, you, you, I think we would do well to talk to someone who just has watched the episode and, and is not um, acquainted with Nirvana or anything like that at all and see if, like, you know, uh, see if they felt like there was some kind of uh, lack or whatever because... I don't know. I mean, I, um, I just, I, I think that you could point to a million shows where in the, an episode where you introduce a character, details about their life are revealed or told and they, you don't have time to explore every single one. No, it's but it's not the, a big deal. But the difference is though, doc, is that if you say, for example, take in, I don't know, let me think of a one-off character. Uh, Okay, I'll, I'll come back to the one-off idea later, but the thing is, this is a show that is making explicit reference to real people who it is drawing inspiration from. Many other shows that I've watched where, I wouldn't, where, as you rightly point out, I don't get the full picture, I wouldn't have a problem with because there's no alternate source that, as you say, is conflating with that. Well, what about Fate? I mean, do you have a problem when Fate does this? Do you mean as in, like, you know... Um, Oh, they're not oh, acting uh, like King Arthur. Or, <laughs> oh, look, Her- Hercules was totally different. Like, the Hercules' mom was uh, cool, you know. Like, um, well, I like think this it... is so. This is my like sort of question: is like, when is it? I mean, historical fiction is a genre, and there's a lot of it. Like, and I think we should look at this show like that. Like, it's using these historical figures as jumping off points as foundations as frameworks to tell stories in and develop kind of original stories and original characters 
like when is it okay i mean you know we have no problem with like you know i it would be absurd i think to uh, or you would probably be like well that's a totally different example if i was like well, what about in this one anime where they show Jesus and he's nothing like <laughs> Jesus' depiction? I, I would be okay oh, that with that because so that'd, that'd, like, that'd be funny. But well, well, but there, like, what's the difference, right? I mean, is it is it one is it a difference of time? Well, then, when how long do we need to wait until how long does Kurt Cobain need to be dead before we can do characters based on Kurt Cobain? If it's a difference of time, is it just because of the manner of death? Well, you know. We should, Jesus was wrongfully killed. I don't know. Like, there's, uh, you could take other historical well, he came back. figures. Sorry, What's that? that was kind of. T- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, ultimately, well, one in the end. You, you yeah. are right in saying that it's not a simple black and white thing. But I mean, if I would, you said fate. So let's take say because you mentioned Hercules, but Hercules doesn't have a character in um. In Isn't fate. the first berserker Hercules? N- it depends on what chronology you're going with. Here. And by God, we're getting to fate talk now. Fuck first uh, berserker <laughs> in Fate Stay Night. Uh, Fate Stay Night was indeed Hercules, but like okay. he had no dialogue. He was just a berserker. No, no, so, he was a so, dumb. So it's nothing like the real Hercules. Fuck that show. <laughs> well, they had twelve labors as his, as his, you know, extra lives. So that's something at least. Uh, Didn't look the, like Kevin Sorbo. Cancel the show. No, that's actually an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I have no agreed, love friends agreed. and actors. Fuck <laughs> them. Um, but if you want to use Fate, then obviously the person we should probably talk about is Saber, King Arthur. Um. Now, the thing is, Fate has a number of things over listeners just in terms of structure. The first of which being is that Saber is a recurring character throughout many different series. Um, and indeed different routes even, to the point where you learn different things. So, But not at first. No. There no. was a time when people would have watched episode four of Fate, or read the fourth chapter of Fate. Yes. Before it was complete. <laughs> yes. Like we are now with listeners, right? Yes. Uh, but the other thing I'd mention is I do think time plays a factor. but the thing is time in itself is not simply in the be all and end all of it like Cobain's life is fairly well documented King Arthur's mythologized to a certain degree um, so but there there are ones that we could point to in fate where we have issues like Jack the Ripper right oh I mean, man don't even yeah as, uh, yeah that's a, you know that's they do a, Jack the Ripper as a little uh, as as a, a tiny uh, bonkers little um, little girl, yeah. Um, Kill and Lisa, yeah. It's like you know I don't have an objection to basing characters on on Jack the Ripper like per se like it sort of across the board, but we could look at that one and be like, well, that one is a little disquieting, and and why is that? And is the Kurt Cobain portrayal as near here doing committing some of the same sins like I personally don't think so um I kind of enjoyed the character and the character to me because I well and I haven't watched the documentary to be fair so I'm not as like acquainted with Cobain's sort of personal life despite knowing kind of the broad strokes um I don't know I kind of I enjoyed the character like I didn't have huge problems with her um, well, um, the the thing that the... you're the thing that you're touching on here is uh, the stuff I haven't actually discussed yet, which is where I feel it crosses the line about certain things uh, in terms of taste. Um, the fundamental issue that I was saying though was just to reiterate that again, I think that it's relying on your knowledge um, of like the real person in order to instill a sense like that this is important and meaningful when the show really should be 
working to do that itself. Because, again, like, for me, personally, Nier's own backstory in as presenting the show, like, the listener's spin on it, of, oh, my parents dead and I have no friends... Where, like, we don't even see anyone else even interact in the same space as near. Um, which is, I'm like, where's the, like, what's going on? It doesn't even necessarily need to be that people don't like her, but we just don't see it. And I'm like, this, this is all so abridged, so truncated, as that review said. It is, yeah. Well, look, it is, it, yeah. I, I will grant that it is done quickly, but that to me that feels a less less like a shortcut of you can substitute your knowledge for Kurt Cobain and more like a a shortcut of um i don't know kind of a normal sort of anime shortcut where you're told uh stuff about you know a character's life and then you just sort of take it as given and you move on and you kind of have to keep that in keep a pin in it as like background info Whereas you you might not see examples of it, and you know you can ding you can ding the show in terms of storytelling for that, and I think that will be justified, um, for sure. I, I I get where you're coming from. I guess I'm just this. It's one of those things I'm so used to at this point that it it sort of um, passes right through me. That all right, yeah. we're told this detail about uh, her loneliness and. You know, and the fact that she doesn't really interact with anyone, I think, supports that. It could be the absence of interaction that you could take as supporting evidence. And yeah, um, she um, only seems to interact with Hole, apart from Echo, who she takes to her secret place. Um, yeah, um, I I would agree if I actually like recall seeing her like in the same physical space with people. Like imagine like a scene of her walking down the school corridor where other people are they again they don't even need to say anything to her i'm not saying that they she has to be right that people like don't like her anything like that's part of what makes sometimes for better drama than the actual truth is that people's perceptions can be off um but yeah like i did find this a bit problematic in terms of like i felt like the show was cheating and i as much as i said that about the valentines i do still think that what works in that episode where it doesn't really work here is that the valentines served a very specific purpose towards echo and mew as the veterans and granted a certain amount of that veterancy was again implied or inferred from knowing who my bloody valentine are in my opinion but it still functioned well in terms of the story and advancing the characters um for me anyway but here I don't know really what they were trying to accomplish with um, with Nier. Like, what's the lesson for Echo and Moose specifically? The most we get out of it um, is from what Hull reveals about the players. Um, by the way, this really... I have an conf- answer to this. <laughs> this, really con- this really confused the fuck out of me about like what Hull's plan was. Like, was Hull actually a player himself or an amp maker? I would have... Yeah, so that's that was... Um, that was... Uh... I'm fuzzy on that also. I mean, I think yeah. he just made the amp. And in that, uh, but I thought the amp was something like that was handed down from the student council previously. From what no, I no, you're right. I guess what I mean is I thought, I thought he was just a sort of an analog for Echo, like the partner to a player and not a player himself, not someone with a, with a jack. But we don't really know. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, a thread that is loose. <laughs> yeah, but like, if that's the case, then going all in on this whole uh, as Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain like relationship, and again, I've still even got the things I found distasteful here. Um, like f- simply to make the the point that 
players go onto a front line and they die and I don't want that and I'm somehow got this kind of inexplicable plan to get out of it. I'm like, that's it? You're going to spend a reference to one of the most well-known and beloved musicians in the 90s to make a frankly lame world-building plot point that doesn't even seem to register with Moo in particular. Like, Moo has nothing to say at the end of this. That's it? You're cashing in this chip for that? Well, it's... So I think you might be making two points. The first... The taste point which we've touched on oh no, no i've not even got and to then, the stuff that, that stuff well yet. i feel like well well what you're saying now to me feels like it's conflating the taste issue and then the what what was the what was the reveal like what was the upshot of this episode and to me the upshot was uh meant to be like it, it kind of mostly came at the end of the episode and their conversation with near and it was mostly like I think you're meant to look at Moo and Echo and in the same way that you compare them to this other functioning veteran couple, uh, there's a comparison you can draw between them and the Valentines to this dysfunctional uh, couple of players uh, near and whole and see like, well, you know, things might not be as it might not be just a matter of you know ganbare guts and hard work like things could go awry things could go badly there's a lot of ways it could happen and near um you know denotes those like there's a, a danger to uh inherent in sort of being someone who wields a lot of power and there is a danger in that uh for players in particular with their their partners because like if if those two if near if um sorry echo and moo are not clear about what their relationship is and not and they don't have a connection and don't put that first then it's near's contention that they'll actually do what she and hole did and kind of subconsciously start to put the power first and they won't have this real connection and they will be just using each other and that is bad and can turn out to be quite bad and so those sort of lessons and those um kind of comparisons i feel like are were the main thing the show was trying to do i do think it was overall like a little wheel spinny in terms of like it felt like a detour because mm-hmm. um, not a ton of advancement in the overall plot, but like I, I still thought like character wise, it was a decent enough episode. Um, I, and I that that line about, um, you know, the, the players losing their mind. Um, I think that probably is one of the explicit instances where that line might not really carry as much weight if you don't know about Nirvana and Cobain yep. um, and you're just kind of watching the episode, like, I mean, it still makes sense. It's within the context of the show as a text and nothing outside of it, because we see that the near character has 
is troubled and has mental health issues and is uh has drug problems um and you know may have even you know depending on what you think about the first scene with the robot may have even be be suicidal so i i think it does make sense but like it's it's much more haunting if you know about um the if if the reference if if you understand the referent um that the show is pointing to. Well, I think it's so. Deli- I mean, that's what I think the upshot of of the the yeah. episode is. But like, um, and, and I think that that's fine. I think you did probably need to have a group of players that, like, sort of the the Valentines were what you could aspire to. But you need some players, a, a pair of players that are also like, here's what you want to avoid. And like I think Axel that Rose. makes sense. Why Axel Rose? Come on, we gotta keep dunking on that bastard. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, well, maybe they wanted to just make uh, make references to musicians they liked. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. Don't, like don't, don't even give him the credit of even being in the show. No, no, uh, well, just don't make a just, bad musician. Well, just to go back to what you said about like the idea of like Echo and Mew like falling into the pit, the trap um, that Hole and Nier fell into. If that's the case, I agree with the sentiment, but I think the episode needs to definitely actually give some hints that might happen to the pair of them. Because they don't even spend like a majority of this episode together. I think that's the point. That is it. Because she asked them like, what are you to each other? And they don't know. But they don't ever like really comment on it to each other or anything. The fact that they are separated. Well, he's crushed. (laughs) He's crushed that That she's not his girlfriend. That was a joke. That's a good joke. The only only other bit of conflict was when uh, like Echo was like, no, Mew, don't, don't go attacking my friend. But you yourself said that she had the sensible right idea. And the thing is, I say that, that still can be a source of conflict. We could have had a scene afterwards where Echo was like, you shouldn't have done that. Well, look at it in the, not just the context of this episode, but of the show as a whole. Like, we've seen scenes of her sort of wanting to be pursued a bit more by Echo, wanting to be desired a bit, but not be. And now we kind of get the inverse of that here where she's like, you know, nah, he's not my boyfriend. And then like, what are you? Are you his partner, his lover? And she's like, eh? Like, so I I think throughout these four episodes, um, we, we have kind of seen that their relationship that they they kind of haven't really defined what they are to each other so i think it's it's a point that has been sort of is a is a not just like look at one episode and see it's like on the strength of the four episodes i certainly felt that more with the first two i will agree with you there but i do think that there needed to be time like spent in the aftermath of the events this episode where they actually discussed what happened and the words they were given i mean if this is meant to be about reverence for like legendary players of which nur i would argue is one in the sense that again we are importing wholesale the knowledge that you know it is kirk cobain really then i would have liked the characters to have spent time talking amongst themselves about that rather than just oh did you know that she was actually a girl and then the end of one joke like ah i was misgendering all the time uh, <laughs> yeah whatever i uh, was confused when when at first i thought she was a lady and she was but then he kept calling near coon and i was like wait a minute was it me have i been in the wrong the whole time no no it's just no by the way um 
side theory on the whole boyfriend line. I actually read that as Mew saying that not uh, to rub it into Echo's face. I don't know that I thought that anyway, but more as a kind of way of endearing herself to the crowd so she could start like pumping them from information. Uh, well, I don't think she was being that tactical. I think she was just, you know, she said like, oh, I'm super excited to go to school. Hell yeah, school, social life. Yes, I am Ginky Girl 101. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very short semester. Um, okay, so let me now, I know I'm talking a lot here, but I've, I, bleh, I've got verbal diarrhea going on at the moment. I apologize. But um, all right, let's get to the taste thing. Now, again, I don't want to be the person who, like, you know, gets all outright reactionary, like, ah, it's Jesus! Like, no, fuck that. I think that there's something more to be looked at with this, though. So I actually want to open with a bit of a, a bait-and-switch question here for you, Doc, just to put you in the frame of mind. Okay. Do you think it's a problem that Jimmy Stonefree is white? I don't. Okay, that's fine. Because... I mean, Hendrix was obviously black, and he was black right. at a time when Jim Crow segregation was still going on. Granted, the laws were rescinded uh, like while he was still alive, but uh, obviously, you know, like taking something out of law and then actually putting it, you know, into effects and you know being equitable. Well, that still hasn't happened. Sorry, <laughs> it really hasn't. No, uh, no, no, no. So. I will leave further discussion of that f- actual question until the point we get to meet Jimmy first time. Because bear in mind, you are also villainizing, potentially, uh, mm-hmm. again, a very famous person. And I'm talking again about the issue of importation of real-world knowledge here, um, rather than laying him stand as his own person. But anyway, why am I saying that? Because if you want to hear why I agree with or why I don't mind or what I disagree with in terms of the changes by bringing Kurt Cobain over into the form that she appears in, in this episode, I'll say. Uh, first off, changing to a girl, not fussed. Not fussed in the slightest. There are some things I did find a bit questionable, though. Like, I think that firstly, making Kurt a child uh, as near, I don't know if you could potentially read that as an indictment on how the creators viewed his behavior. Because, like, as much as I don't want to say it, like, you know, the time in which, you know, Kurt was struggling with drugs, and then particularly also, like, after the point in which his daughter Francis was born. Uh, oh, small side note, by the way, Montage of Heck, uh, Francis was a actual co-producer on the film as well. So more familiar involvement there in terms of, like, fam- uh, oversight and such. Um, but I think that making the child, like, I think that that, and then conflating that with, like, the behaviour we saw of him as an adult, I actually don't like that, really, to be quite honest. I think that that infantilizes like the complex behaviors of very very like troubled man am i saying that children like can't have complex like issues no not at all but i don't think de-aging him in this manner was the smart move here to be quite honest for that reason and then the next thing i want to point out teen spirit by implication this episode was made elsewhere it wasn't near's creation is that not a bit iffy it seems a bit off to me that that you're going to take away like one of the crowning achievements of his musical career, whether or not he was actually even his best song, and I was certainly the most popular. Are uh, you? And then, would you like me to answer, or do you I, still I'm, have more? <laughs> I have, I have more. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, I okay. Have more. Go for it. Um, you start asking questions, and I'm like, should I jump in? Should I not jump in? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but also, um, 
making Teen Spirit a drug which is given to him by Hull, aka Courtney Love, who herself was a noted heroin user and potentially, I say potentially because this has never been explicitly confirmed, and was indeed the part of like rumours uh, in the press spread by a uh, British tabloid uh, pariah and general piece of shit, Piers Morgan, no less. Shouts to you, Piers, if you're listening. Uh, Cunt. Middle fingers yeah. to you, Piers, if you're, if you're listening. Yeah, I mean, God, he's been an odious wanker even in more modern times, and it turns out he was, like, twisting, you know, the knife into the fucking Cobains as well. The only the only musical instrument it appears would ever use is be the triangle, and he somehow end up still fucking it up. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, piss-taking of Piers Morgan aside, as fun as that is, is it not a bit questionable that this episode leans into actual conspiracy theories that Courtney Love was actually involved in Kurt's death or was manipulating him in some way, particularly through the use of drugs? Because Kurt's history with drugs, according to Montage of Heck, it went all the way back to when he was much younger, when he started taking pot. Um, and then he actually transitioned to heroin on his own. It wasn't, like, well before he met Courtney Love. He kicked it, but then he got back on it. There's a lot of overlap here, or a lot of things that, like, again, jar with Kirk Bay's person that they are choices that have been made by the creators. I'm not saying that they literally had to import him wholesale, um, you know, or do the Futurama thing of having him just be ahead in the jar so he could offer his commentary in your, like, this specific scenario. But there's a lot that I just think to myself, like, that feels a bit in poor taste if it's meant to be reverent of the actual man himself. Especially, I should add, given how abridged this episode is in terms of dealing with her as a person. Near that is. This is why, again, I think a second episode would have benefited here because then it wouldn't feel like it's just such a... How do I put it? A Wikipedia stub entry? I've said my piece, by the way. Okay, (laughs) I was waiting for the, the checker flag. So the argument I'm hearing is... It seems a bit um, uncharitable because it it sounds like what you're saying is whenever the show does something similar to the real life person, oh, look at this. It's just too similar too referency referency. And then whenever it's different, you're like, it's not similar enough. What are they doing taking these untasteful liberties? Um, well, I wouldn't mind I th- if the unsimilar things were in a positive way. But to be honest, like, again, the stuff I've mentioned it's is a not- character. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, uh like it's it it is a it is just a fictional character right i mean it's um not it's a fictional it's a fictional character very deeply based off a person who lived in real life down to how they dress oh yes again but you don't have those similar problems with other characters of historical fiction um many of such characters um that were troubled or died in horrible ways or were shitty i don't know like it just feels like um, it, that this th- this is the one, you know, because it is something that you are intimately familiar with and means a lot to you, which I which is which is great and which I respect. But um, but no, I mean, I think that it is that this character, um, you know, you pointed out a lot of differences to the life of Cobain. And there are others um, that you pointed out before and that are in the episode. And I think to, that shows me that this is a character that is based on that character and not meant to be 
an autobiography of Kurt Cobain played out in anime. And I mean, to me, that's, that's fine. I think, you know, if you want to know about Cobain, you can go read about Cobain, but like near is, is near clearly based on Cobain. And clearly the show is like Nirvana's awesome. Um, and you know, I, I won't say it's not tricky to do this kind of thing because you know because this is also this is something that happened in our lifetime and a lot of people are close to and you know the bit about um the the drug and courtney love sorry hole giving near the drug like just right in the face to pump her up to to fight in the robot to, to do what she wanted you know I can definitely see how that feels bad yes. to people. And that's, I'm not going to argue. Ma- that's the main one in particular for me because that's, I mean, that's leaning on real world events that I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take, sorry, go on. But Nier didn't die and Nier no. cut ties with Hole. And so it did not end up the same way. I've got a feeling I've, I have a hope that when near returns, Oh, I know we will see. We, we will see that, that more, there will be more to be said from her. Like we'll maybe see more growth from her somehow. Um, that it won't, that her final word to them will not be the last word, um, with her. Like, I think she will realize the world is bigger than what she thinks it is. There are more different kinds of people and there can be different outcomes. I mean, like you said, she's a child. And so her saying things like every player goes, goes uh, insane or loses their mind. Like this is what she thinks. Why is that Um, based on though? What other players has she known that have lost their minds? That's, I don't know, but but she's been controlled by whole. That to me, like the in fact, you yourself actually said Courtney Love, and then corrected yourself by saying "oh," which to me feels like proof of the problem. It's again relying on importation of real world knowledge rather than being its own thing. But anyway, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're just like it feels like you're making different points here. Like, no, no, it's that... something I'd mentioned before. I'd already explained that, but um, the yeah, the Courtney Love thing in particular, like I'm not going to take her off the hook. I mean. If you want my opinion, and it's merely my opinion based on my second-hand knowledge, like, I don't think she was good for him, but that's from the outsider's perspective. Um, That does not make her a murderer. It does not make her culpable. Indeed, if she was culpable, one would assume that there would have been at least some court effort made. I don't know, but I think that leading into this as heavily as they do, um, because otherwise... I'll tell you. Otherwise, being named whole to begin with makes will not register with you in the slicest. It banks on you knowing who what whole refers to, i.e., her, and then consequently, all that conspiracy from like, really? Can you not? I don't have think. I don't own... think whole. I don't think whole relies on the Courtney Love story. I the mean, name, it, it mirrors it. It well no well they named her after I was what I'm saying is it doesn't rely on it I'm not saying it's not a reference to it and it's not based on her 
But if you knew nothing, I don't think you'd be like, God, this whole character, I don't really get him or what he's about or, or what he was trying to do. Like, it was all perfectly well explained in the show. But we didn't, it barely saw them interact prior to that point. This is the core problem. Like, it's banking on you knowing about the real world people and their relationships in place of filling that in itself. You know, actually devoting time to seeing them interact. Like, the, the first time I think that we see those two together from my memory is the point in which Hall's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna game hop I'm gonna get her hop spontane spirit. I'm like we've never seen listeners' version of these characters interact together in the same space prior to now. We're being told after We the see fact. a flashback. Yeah. We just see that flashback, but that's it. That's it's not enough. This is why I'm saying we need a second episode so they can become more their own things, have more of their own identity within the show be the show's own thing rather than relying so much less. else why have Hall in there in the first place why name them Hall to begin with if you'd call them anything else then I would have been better with that because then it would have been less explicit but you could stand still like is this meant to be courtly love kind of thing but I can see like how that's a relationship rather than just feeling like cheap well but it's uh, you know it's it's referencing the relationship dynamic which I think is is interesting and i don't know like it's if it had been named something else like it would not have been as interesting to me could have been its um, own thing though like that's the thing like it's referencing relationship dynamic because there is none that the show gives us in, in its own right <laughs> at least not to i'm sorry me. wait you you hang on you cut out for just a second can you repeat right. your point the, what i'm trying to say is like it's referencing the relationship dynamic between kurt cobain and courtney love because the show offers us so very little that it creates itself all we have is, as you say, is that flashback and then they finally appear on screen together at the pool when the plan was, I'm like, that's not enough. Well, I think you, there has to, so I think the buy-in it does require of you is just that all these people are important enough to reference. Um, but I think that that's, not just tell us though. but I think that that's, I think that's all. I mean, I, I don't know. This is another case that like, Again, maybe I'm just used to this form of storytelling, but like, I thought their relationship, the way it was pointed out on screen, while being rushed, I still understood what it was about. I still, un- like, totally got, like, and the reason they weren't together and interacting and all that was because I, I feel like it- he was, it was a more or less a secret thing. Like, he's using her they're making drugs they are uh going to cause some shit he's gonna sell her like they have their little plans of course they're not gonna be seen together all the time but that's the thing Um, though like it might be a secret to the population of that school but does it need to be a secret to us as the audience we have the privilege but then it would have uh, but so it was a mystery that courtney that um I, i keep doing calling them courtney and kurt as you do it was a it was a mystery from the beginning that Hull was behind the whole thing. So if it showed them together, you risk like revealing the secret. Like it was a bit of misdirection um, in terms of like, you know, but, uh, who's so- who's doing the teen spirit? I don't know. Like, oh, it turns out Hull was uh, the man behind uh, the curtain the whole time. But if you uh, have even the, the freddest, screen. the most threadbare knowledge of Kurt Cobain and Cornelius relationship, the moment that Hull. Uh, and of course, no, that Courtney Love was a member of the band Hole. As soon as that is mentioned, the mystery evaporates. This again, yeah, but cost- but but again, that but that's you. You have that. You have that. Not everyone is going to have that. 
But if you they're, don't have that, then why are you watching the show that is about these characters to begin with when they're so explicit to the point that they will actually reference the fonts used on the album and even play covers of the songs? Wait a minute. So you're saying that you have to know all the references to watch a show with references? Because <laughs> I've yeah. watched tons I've watched tons of shows that are filled with references just to watch them, and that's how I got well, interested in the reference. And then I went and looked at them. I feel like... It, well, I mean, it, this is made but, like you were you've said earlier like you know it's made for people who demographically are younger than uh the people that would have been listening to this music in their youth i think it's it, it could be like seen as a like hey if you're you know we're explicitly referencing a lot of these people and maybe you should check them out if you don't know who they are I would have to ask someone who hasn't actually seen, or who knows, good luck not knowing anything about Nirvana, because, by God, there's been covers of their songs even, like, in the past couple of years. I think someone... Oh, God, there's some this wretched pop... Made... There's some wretched pop <laughs> right. cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And it reminded me of the cover of Alice Cooper's Poison, because whoever covered that, whichever pop singer covered that, they deserve to be tried in the court. Because... <laughs> That song, Poison, like, is all bombastic operatic energy, and they completely sucks it out and turned into this crappy, like, love song thing. I was like, why? And they did the same with Smells Like Teen Spirit, like, where it was just completely devoid of the energy that made it work. Um, well, so I'd, for, I, I don't know. I'd have, you, I'd have to ask you, someone. Well, I think it's important to remember this is made for a Japanese audience, and they are referencing a lot of foreign music. So I think the likelihood of Japanese young men not knowing about Nirvana, New Boughton, and My Bloody Valentine and Oasis is much higher than a British person or even an American person mm-hmm. who, you this know is, what I mean, even fair. the same age. This is fair. I, I admit, like, you know, I this is why I brought all those biases out there before, like, just to offer the thought that, yeah, I'm coming from a very particular perspective here. Um I would. I can't answer the question of how effective this show would be at getting you interested. Where these references come from, I will give them credit for actually putting the covers of Lithium and Come As You Are in. In that case, and I think they do smells like Teen Spirit over the fight. They do. Um, yes, they do. Yeah. So I'll credit them I, for that because that's the, that. I think is probably the most key thing one would have to do in trying to get people interested. Like this sounds cool. I wonder what it sounds like with lyrics. That would be that's something. It is so it is neat. I so I, I, also I, I do think, like that. I also think it would be. As much as I think this is the weakest episode of the show in particular, talking about the show as a whole, and I, I, it's it's a show that I feel in some ways so far has been a little bit like hasn't kind of been everything I'd want it to be. I think it would be a mistake to be like this show is just a billboard, like all this show is is a catalog of references. I think it is telling a story. It does have its own world, its own mythology, its own characters. And, you know, it is, again, it is doing the historical fiction thing of taking these well-known people and relationships and situations and happenings and using them to inform the characters and everything. But also, like, it's not... It's not doing it in such a way where, like, the reference is like this isomorphous, super tight one-to-one autobiography. So I, mm. I think it would be a mistake to just be like, this is the reference show and that's it. 
we literally meet Kirk Bain. Or even if we did something like, say, the film Yesterday, uh, which was where the Beatles disappear from the world and only one gel remembers the music. That's But that's one way you can do it, mind you. And you are right, as you say, about it being like for a Japanese audience specifically. But I do think my criticism of it relying on the import still stands, though, because if you go in knowing nothing about, say, Nirvana, you won't have a clue why this kid is meant to, is really all that important or interesting, or even why some of the things that Nir says, again, such as that line about players losing their mind, how that, in the show's lore, is, as I say, factually untrue. Because the Valentines are doing just fine. Um, so, like, right. can... Sorry, go on. Can... Can characters not utter untruths? Yes, but we are, like, first off, I think it's reasonable to assume that we are only seeing, as you, as you and I have discussed, these characters as one-shots until they more than likely reappear at the end. And that's why, again, I keep coming back to the point, we needed two episodes. We needed more meat on the bone. Because all I keep thinking is, you are a rely- show, you are relying on me and my knowledge of Nirvana is to fill in for what you are not providing in of yourself. That's the problem. That, to me, is the criticism I want to make of it. Uh, that's the fundamental issue I have, above and beyond like the taste issues. Like I say, I like Nirvana. I like Kurt Cobain. But I don't love them so much that I would go screaming about it. But I do yeah. see that there are problems about it. But for me, as far as storytelling goes, if you can't or won't write the own the reasons why in your own diegetic universe these characters are important instead have to rely on references to actual people that either a people won't know and therefore it's lost them or b will know and then think so well why aren't you doing like your own you know your own work on this like it feels lazy that's lazy storytelling in my opinion i mean to go well, by comparison sorry go on no, we've. I, well, I thought we covered this point. Is that like the, the yeah we, we the we importance have, we of have, the character? Have. There's plenty of reason beyond near being Kurt Cobain. Why near and Hull are in the story, and to me, and I, you know, I I outlined those earlier. And wh- whether you think that those are good reasons or I'm mistaken or whatever, like I can I can make a case for why they're here. I don't think that there's if you don't know these bands you'd be like oh i have no idea why these people are in the story like they play their part and uh i think it's to me at least was um pretty clear like the the purpose they were serving in the the little detour to the school Hmm. okay fair enough fair enough um what i suppose that i'll come back to is i'll just mention um the questions that Gogo type robot and uh, oh right rosas which were is there a tasteful way to reference a troubled musician or is it better to avoid the subjects altogether and is it a cop out to use uh so many famous troubled musicians and famed songs or do you think there's an underlying reason for process now we probably broadly covered the answers to these but i want to go back to something about um in fact two things firstly you were talking about the world having its own law and, and myth uh mythos even um do you recall how I mentioned before there was the Oasis Definitely Maybe poster? I do. That to me feels like a fuck up. Because okay. we've already had the bar Oasis. So our Oasis, an actual legitimate band who put out Definitely Maybe in this universe, this is where it feels like they've overstepped the mark a little bit. Now it's a small thing, I grant you. Mm-hmm. But I it, just think it might to myself just be... like that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just think they might be getting a bit too excited, a bit too proud of the fact that they know things like these bands, <laughs> and once yeah. the, and I, and I right. feel like that was a mistake. That could just be for us, and a very non-diegetic like week. Like, oh, look at um, 
uh, this character in Gunbuster, she has a space battleship Yamato poster. What? Are you saying that this anime exists in this world? No, it's just a little wink wink to the audience. Like, look at this cool thing, you know? You know, the funny thing is, I agree with you there. And there's another example of where I agree with you also in this very episode with the Pink Floyd reference or the Smashing Pumpkins bit. But we've already had Bar Oasis, which is its own thing in this universe. So no repeats. No no repeats to the point where you cross the line where you're actually referencing real things when you've already referenced them for fiction. Like, did, did like I joked in the poll that we did. Like, I wanted to go see Neil and... Sorry, Liam and Noel fight in the bar. Did they actually do that, Bar Oasis in listeners? Please answer me, Daisato. I want to know. I'd, I'd love to see that. I think that'd be quite funny. Um, although it would just be a repeat of their celebrity deathmatch fight where they were just two drugs to kill each other. So, uh, that's another MTV reference. Okay, um, so I want to just say something finally about... Because I actually do have a nice thing I want to say to round this off with. The the thing that we discussed earlier a bit about the robots. Um, but here's the we thing, We haven't Rob. talked about the drugs. I don't think there's much really to say because I don't think it can be divorced from the, the Courtney Love issue. Um, on its own, like... Well, first off, like, I don't even understand what the purpose of, like... Um, I almost said Purple Haze then, but that's a different thing inside. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Jimi Hendrix reference, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm... I, you know what? Actually, I think this episode would have been better if it had been named Purple Haze, but never mind, that doesn't matter. Uh, it would have been the right colour as well, funnily enough. Um, but, like... Okay, so Nier takes it, and that allows him to start, like... Sorry, her, to start singing. Um, I felt like the, what this purpose of this drug was, or how it helped people actually fight, was a little lost on me. Um, I think, in Nier's case, I understand it as a confidence booster, and, well, that makes sense if you, again, know about why Kurt Cobain took drugs. Uh, as a way of, like, trying to quell his anxieties. Uh, but in terms This of feels like... This feels like Sorry. a tr- true nitpick. <laughs> it is a nitpick, but do you but that, need that... to like like every time a character takes drugs in a show, be like, "All right, bust. Let me bust out in universe this medical book." And be like, now we're going to talk to you about the side effects and the current effect of these drugs. This like, is your brain. No, on just Z-spray. watch. Just you, all you have to do is look how it plays out, and that is what the effects are. <laughs> like, I didn't really notice I what the effects I, were. That's the problem. In this I, case, anyway. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what could have solved this problem, other than a, a long translator's note about here. Here are the the effects. Hey, try this of, new uh, drug. It's called K. Try this new drug. It's called Kekaku. <laughs> um. So I don't really have much to say about the drugs thing in this because it's impossible to divorce it from Kurt Cobain as a person and his history and Courtney Love's history, which we discussed at length. So I'll not repeat myself there. Yeah. Um. But what I will say is this: Kurt Cobain, according to the both the documentary and um, well, can I can I say about oh, the drugs? Just oh, really sorry, quickly. No, it's okay. Um, I mean. I think it being a fake drug, like, sort of gets the show off the hook for, like, being super duper, like, responsible and thorough. Like, I mean, I don't... Uh, so, the question in particular, I want to get the specifics of the question. Um, what was the... Po- uh, da, 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 I'm trying to find the question. Um, is it a cop-out? Uh, where? Where's the question? Is it Ted's a reference musician? 
Where's the listener question about the drugs? I am. What did you think of the portrayal? Oh, of drugs what did you think of the portrayal? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, it was it. I thought it was very shorthand, but you know, it did what it needed to do. Like, again, the show, like, it, I, I think, you know, it, it has it has a runtime that's short, and you know, it's. I think. That's very disappointing for a drug, to be honest. I think we may be, well, no, we may be expecting a lot when we don't hold other episodes that use, I don't know, have characters taking shots or whatever before fights or something like that. We could be holding this episode to a higher standard and because it references things that we know about. And we're like, oh, we yeah. gotta, for real, talk about the drugs, like, because this was a really big deal in this person's life or whatever, when um, just watching it kind of play out, like, sort of tells you what the deal is and and i think like uh, i don't know um so so i don't really know like uh it's hard for me to say like well the show didn't do a good enough job showing talking about like what the made-up drug does because it's a made-up drug (laughs) so uh so i don't know man Mm. Yeah, I, I, again, was stressed that I can't divorce my answer from my knowledge of Kurt Cobain, but I think that's intentional on the part of the creators, else I have nothing really to say about what the purpose of Teen Spirit is in this episode beyond reference and inference. So, okay. Um, the point I was going to make was that Kurt Cobain, according to Montage of Heck and also the Wikipedia, uh, one of the things he hated about the relationship between the media and himself and also his fans himself was people misinterpreting and misusing his lyrics as like inspiration mm. um basically putting him to be like as i was mentioned like the mouthpiece of a generation he wanted none of that so mm. um gogo type robot says is there a tasteful way to reference a troubled musician or is it better to avoid the subjects altogether now with the massive massive caveat that if this particular person wants no involvement in your depiction of them whatsoever or is indeed deceased as Kirk Bain is I think that the only way one can tastefully depict a troubled musician is to at least create your thing and then get their approval after the fact because they may very well not want to be shown at all in any negative light um, oh yeah or doing indeed, it for living in... people is like a, a totally different kettle of fish right yeah um, but I think that if you got the approval thumbs up or thumbs down uh, sorry, thumbs up rather, um, of that person in question. Yeah. And indeed, even in Montage of Heck, as I mentioned before, like, um, I forgot his name now, but you remember what I mentioned before, like Kurt Cobain's friend yeah. from the Melvins. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. even he disapproved of the portrayal of, Corbe- of Cobain in a documentary about him. So, never mind what I'm bitching about this particular episode. There are yeah. people who have actually, you know, who know him firsthand, who've complained about, like, his depiction in that and that obviously goes against like his family's views because otherwise why would they make the documentary if they didn't want if they didn't like it you know but anyway anyway the point i'm trying to make is this with what cobain said about how he hated about people misrepresenting and utilizing his lyrics uh as like you know mouthpieces for their own feelings and whatnot i am of the opinion and this is strictly my opinion and it has no authority or like you know whatever in it period to be quiet i don't think he would have liked seeing himself portrayed this way at all oh god no, no. oh hell no. no and that's why in my opinion i don't think this is a taste way show because i don't think he would have been happy with it he but wouldn't I have liked it. the documentary about his life 
<laughs> he would he would not want his name <laughs> written in any text anywhere. I actually mildly disagree with that because the thing about the documentary is a lot of it also relies on his journals being basically quoted verbatim. Um, but I'd also think that had he been alive and that documentary made, it would have been very different. It's a very much a what-if thing. But that's, I think, the litmus test that you would go for if you want to make a tasteful reference to a troubled person is to get their approval. Not their involvement, though, because that inevitably brings its own kind of bias. Otherwise, they may as well do an autobiography. I mean, I I certainly wouldn't, for example, get Morrissey involved in a documentary by himself. Can you imagine what fucking that would come out like? Jesus Christ. People be blowing enough smoke up his ass to actually contribute to global warming. Fuck. Um, so that's my answer to that question there. Um, okay. My answer would be like that. I think clearly there are distasteful ways to do it. Um, I think that I, I think that there is a wide berth of what's quote unquote tasteful when you're doing historical fiction um, you it varies from I mean? person to person as well like which person you're actually looking at one standard applied to one may not even apply to another yeah and I mean you know time is a factor and all these different things like um, and certainly like what it matters like kind of what you're what you're doing like how much is this based on the character and like how are they acting like if Nier had just been I don't know, constantly trying to jump off a building or something like that, and it would have been um, too much. <laughs> you know, there's definitely yeah, some I, ways I, they I definitely agree with that. Yeah, there's some ways they could have truly screwed it up, um, but I think like they didn't dive into those kind of really distasteful extremes, and so I think that they are swimming in waters here that, for me, are a perfectly okay to do historical fiction, and. But also, but also, I need to stress that Shadon's Shadon's point of view and his, um, you know, ire and frustration at certain things happening in the episode, particularly when it comes to Hole uh, and Teen Spirit, um, like I can't, like I, I, that's not really for me to like assail, like those those feelings. Like if you are if you're troubled by that portrayal, I think. I totally get it. You know what hmm. I mean? Whereas in, in some instances, depending on the figure you're portraying, like for instance, the gender swap of King Arthur for Saber. I actually think you're, that's you're troubled by that. I would be like, I mean, come on, don't be unreasonable. Like, uh, but, but I think this is, they actually do something with that. Though. That's the thing, the reason I like it in that instance. So yeah, you can yeah. be on board for that as proof that I'm not completely against revisionism of anyone really and similarly like well i don't feel it mattered in this episode i didn't mind that near was a girl that, but, uh, if no I... d- truly and like i mean even if they did nothing with quote-unquote did nothing with king arthur as a lady i mean who cares but um like, i could think of some people who'd care very much the waifu lovers that they are but um like yeah, I, I I just want to express that I, I think that the material um, is sensitive enough and everything that it is entirely reasonable to feel a little bit disquieted by some of the stuff. Whereas I don't, uh, other people may, and I think um, again, I, I don't think that that is um, 
invalid or unreasonable or anything like that Hmm. and just to also mirror what doc said there like yeah i've i would personally say i've not come at this all that strongly i mean you've heard me before folks like raging against things like franks and kabuki joe sherlock and that's about completely fictional people this is about an actual person so people could as much as you know cobain's uh, friend mentioned from the melvins like how he thought well that movie's bollocks uh people could have a much more extreme reaction than i have and you know what? I similarly wouldn't disagree with you either. It matters differently to people depending on the connection that you have um, with that particular person. Um, and conversely, as a result, like Doc having not the same reaction as me, that doesn't invalidate his thoughts in the slightest. Um, if anything, and again, I'm glad that we have art that does provoke a difference of reaction mm-hmm. in people. Um, it's complicated. And Doc yeah. did indeed say, like, you know, for example, about how, well, what about X and Y from history? And the honest answer I would give is that, one, maybe I should go back and reevaluate how I feel about those. But two, it's going to vary from character to character or person to person. I mean, as much as we joke about fate, there could very well be some King Arthur fans out there who are very much into Arthurian legend. Um I can imagine it's especially frustrating oh, for history on. teachers <laughs> if you on. try to go if you try to Google image search for King Arthur. Oh come on! <laughs> I, I have heard people say that they can't <laughs> they can't search for Nero anymore. But, but so funny. Yeah, yeah, that makes me chuckle. That's especially a mild frustration. <laughs> I find it hilarious. I can just imagine yeah. that. Like, all right, I'm going to search for uh, Emperor Nero. Oh my god, like, don't look! Don't look! <laughs> but anyway, um, like, in all seriousness, like, there are people who are probably, you know, very deep history enthusiasts, and they would be like, what the fuck is this shit? This is atrocious, this is disrespectful. And who am I to argue? I mean, I might find it funny when this stuff happens, but I'm not in that zone. And in much the same way as, like, I would say, hey, I've got my grievances with this depiction of, like, this Kurt Cobain expert. I can't, therefore, in good conscience, simply dismiss people who feel less strongly or more strongly yeah. because of that. So, I mean, it, yeah. Uh, at least... It's complicated. At, it is. Damn it. I mean, at least they didn't sort of make light of... Oh, the Jesus, things, yes. The things that were troubling Cobain. You know what I mean? And didn't... he? It, the Nier wasn't, like, a figure of fun. Nier was not an object of ridicule for uh, being troubled. I think making Nier a kid has certain sketchy points to it in terms of, again, like, you know, diminishing or infantilizing Kurt's uh, behavior as an adult, especially if you've seen him play on stage, by the way. Right. I mean, and and that's where I differ in terms of, I think this is just Nier standing on her own two feet as an original, as as a character, an original character based on yeah clearly someone's and... life but like as as so but yeah i guess my point is like there are definitely characters i could see and would be like if if i heard like well uh, this anime is going to like have martin luther king jr i'd be oh, like well uh oh <laughs> i there's you know yeah. the red flags a go-go and i could you know like sim there are some that that could be here where you think, oh man, like they could really, you know, fuck up and how they like portray mental like illness Sh- or have other people like react Sherlock to Holmes, it. for example. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I don't think I, I don't think that they stumble in any of those like really those big ways that are like a slap in the face to like 
whole kind of groups of people. I think the the issues are these very specific ones to like do yeah your, do, do what is your relationship with Kurt Cobain and then like do you find the portrayal of Kurt Cobain's this character based on Kurt Cobain an issue? Um, yes, yeah. so. I I'm with you on that. Um, and you're absolutely right in that. As much as I have my issues with this, like it is small potatoes relative to what you could, in theory, have with actual much more important historical figures. Uh, I grant you, though, there could be some fun had with that. Like, can you imagine if Mahatma Gandhi was portrayed like he is often in civilization <laughs> games? That would wow. be something. Um, wow. But, but, um, like, on top of that, my ire, I should stress, is always mostly reserved or mainly reserved for stuff like we've seen in Frank's or in Kabuki Show Sherlock, where it's specifically either perpetuating ideas that are extremely harmful uh, to people in general or willfully malicious towards particularly particularly minorities. Um, And this is neither of those things. I certainly don't think Cobain would have liked this. Um, But, well, he is just one person, ultimately. So... Right, I actually Are have. Are you ready one to rate nice... the episode? Oh, I know. Oh, I, have, have I, have, okay. I have a nice. I have a nice thing to say because this is something that we brought up, and I, it was my favorite part of the episode. Let's talk about the fact that players, when they use amps, get different results depending on the amp they use. I thought this was really fucking cool, and this is a, ironically in my catalog of problems I have with the show, a counterexample against them of where it gets done right, because. Without any actual, like, massive exposition dump, when Nier tries Echo's amp, it still has the head, but it's mm-hmm. an octopus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I like that. And then similarly, when um, Nier uses Hole's amp, octopus again, different design. And you can, in theory, like, we don't obviously see it, but I like that we didn't because it allows you to speculate what would uh, Muse... Uh, equipment of look like had she used holes amp it allowed me to what? speculate what jrpg would this be a boss in i went with kingdom hearts this would actually be a legitimately good uh jrpg mechanic i must stress that <laughs> would be so cool if you could collect like amps and they had different effects and you had to swap it basically were like persona let's be honest but i still think that'd be cool but there's actually a meaning behind this i liked which is that different artists do different things through amps like and it's it feels like it's reinforcing like the way music works like it's not the same output for like with different people using the same equipment like you know uh, sorry i mean to say it's not the same output when different people use the same equipment like you get yeah. different things you get different results even amongst different pieces of kit and that makes me also then think back like hey what if mu had used the valentine's uh amp that could mm-hmm. be really, really cool. I'd, it leaves potential for some really interesting fights down the line. Can you imagine if, like, you had Mew, for example, switching out different amps on the fly? That would be pretty neat. Be so sick. <laughs> I, I, I like this a lot for how it expanded on the way the robot fights work. It meshes with the idea of how music works and how performance works in general, and it's delivered with no exposition. It just happens, but it makes logical sense. And mm-hmm. it invites further speculation um, and intrigue from the audience. It's that kind of lore detail you can get really invested in. You can think is really cool. So, I will be blunt. I did not like this episode. But that doesn't mean there weren't things I didn't like in it. And this is mm. definitely the highlight of it for me. I really, really like this detail. So, 
if you had to rate it, and you do, how would you rate it? You know what the irony is? I've already thought of the joke that will follow the racing, but not the racing itself. How often does that happen? Um, I don't need to really restate anything I've said. Um, no. Because otherwise I'd be here for another two hours. And <laughs> <laughs> who has time for that, eh? Who has time for that? So I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm going to give this episode two and a quarter penny royalties out of five. Mm. I'm going to give it three and a half heart-shaped boxes out of five. Nice, 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 nice. Definitely the weakest uh, yet. I, I think it did have some merit, and hopefully it will be kind of um, retroactively made stronger by things that happen later in the show. I will say this, though. I will be very, very pissed off if um, Nier does indeed you know, join in the final battle at the end and then dies. Oh my god, that would suck. <laughs> that would be bullshit. I would not bullshit. like that. I would not that like would be that. bullshit. And that, again, would be a case of it playing too hard on the you know actual history of the person in question. Um, that anyway, would be weird. <laughs> that would be yeah, would I, I would not be down with that. Um, one thing I'm going to ask him, folks, like, I've, I've asked this a lot lately on our pods, but, like, with subjects such as this, where there is such a, my, like, a difference in opinion, which is good, by the way, you know, um, unless it was my cooking, in which case there is no difference in opinion, you will like it, <laughs> and you will eat it all. So help me God. Uh, but rather, what I mean to say is that when there is such a difference of opinion or a wide range of it, like, I'm curious to hear what you all think as well. So do hit us up at Warrior Desh Show. Like, if you've seen Lessons Episode 4, if I'm wrong, or if you feel I'm wrong, let me know. Um, let me know your feelings on it. It could be because you simply don't... It, it could be simply because you don't care for Nirvana even as much as I do. And like I say, my, I rate myself on the I like him, I don't love him um, scale of things. Um, and I respect the man for his like humanity, uh, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. not being a musician really, like that a lot of that stuff's lost on me. Um, maybe you feel differently. Maybe you think that he was a great musician, not a great person. Whatever like sliding scale of like quality you go on both of these things, um, and maybe you know literally nothing. Or maybe you are like Kevin Help you, one of the young ones <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's you know who has no idea who the fuck Nirvana are. And now you've listened to our podcast, you're like, well. I didn't know about them, so this episode didn't bother me. Like, tell us your thoughts. Like, get them out there to us, just so we can get some discussion going on this. So I would very much like to see that. Um, I will actually this time, without you know, like being the lazy bones I was last time, put some polls up on this because this is going to be especially interesting to think about as we go forward. Because make no mistake, we've got Prince up next, and didn't mm. he actually have a, a documentary called Purple Rain? There is a there's a movie that is a fictional movie called Purple Rain that he's starring. Okay, in. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that then. In that case, it's um, really good but, though. <laughs> I like okay, I no, like no. his movies a lot. I like Prince, Prince, Prince quite a bit. Prince is just basically his own, like literally his own person to the point where. No, no, there's so many things I could say about the symbol, but I'm gonna skip that for the sphere of making something yes, a bit yes. tasteless. But yes. anyway. Um, this is where we go back to the point where my knowledge is actually much more diminished because I know of Prince in probably the same way that Echo knows of his of the players in the Almanac. And you might say, by God, why have you not listened to any of his music? Uh, good question. I wish I could answer that for you. <laughs> but that's going to maybe make my opinion different next time around, whereas if I was as knowledgeable as I am about Prince as I am about Nirvana, maybe I'd feel the same. It's going to be interesting going forward with these because I've 
we are definitely going to have a lot more uh, like real bands. Like, it won't just stop at Prince. We, we are, may, uh... in my opinion, get like an episode where the new Bowson sisters come back, like to twirl their mustaches again. Um, yeah. But I feel like we're going to have a fair few more, I and then we, of them. course we're going to have. I miss them too, actually. They 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 came up for Spooky Tyler, which is great. That's that's still such a power move. I love it. Um, but yeah, um, and then on top of that, we're going to have Jimmy Stone Free eventually, which is that's going to be interesting because yeah, I was also re- well, I was reading about Hendrix on Wikipedia, and again. Wikipedia, not the most relevant, but uh, Hendrix actually served in the military and mm. then eventually got discharged because he didn't want to be a part of it. And, well, you know, the players are described as a military. Indeed, huh. in the uh, right in the right, flashback right. we see, or whatever hole is, whatever you want to call a flash forward, the whole shows, um, there are, like, rows of equipment lined up in the streets of London, including a hexagonal Royal Air Force logo. So, does that play a part in it? I wonder. We'll find out. I wonder. We'll find out uh, maybe next week when we don our Raspberry Berets, go crazy, and party like it's 1999. But until then, until then, he is Shadon, and you can find him on Twitter at Shadon1010. I am the Subtle Doctor, at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Um, If you'd like to become a patron... And support us financially uh, and get some cool benefits and rewards. Head on over to patreon.com slash show and you can read all about it. Um, and uh, in addition to that, or perhaps instead of that, if you want to support us, but not monetarily, and you don't want those rewards and such like, um, just subscribe. You know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write us the review, the old five snake on, on Apple Pods. It helps our discoverability. Um, we're on Twitter, we're on Google Pods. Just search Watery Desho and then the name of a service and we're probably on it. So um like I said, uh that's gonna be the end of the show. Uh so for Shadon and the Subtle Doctor, we have been Watery Desho saying Embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Bring back the brothers! Bring back the brothers! <laughs> I stole your line! No! <laughs> It's fine now.